Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hey everyone, Glenn James here. Welcome to My Millennial Money. Today on the podcast, we've got our first ever New Zealander listener who's being interviewed on the podcast. We've got lots of listeners over the ditch and thank you so much for listening. I know we've got a growing audience there, so we will try and do a little bit more uh, for the Kiwis as uh, the show goes on and maybe next year we might try and do an Auckland show or I might do some data and see where the majority of our Kiwi listeners are because let's face it, I'm on another holiday, right? So there you go. Now, a couple of things. Firstly, this episode, we do talk about death and I asked Rachel before we started recording if we could really talk about this stuff uh, because it's so important. So everything you're hearing... Rachel has given me permission to share. I didn't really ambush her or anything like that because I actually ask about the practicalities uh, with what happens if there's a body and someone dies. So it's just part of life and we need to understand. So so just be really uh, aware that I will be talking about this stuff. So if you're coming out of a period of mourning or grief, uh, you might want to just skip this episode entirely. But I really want to thank Rachel for... Uh, being so honest, being so transparent and reaching out and wanting to share her story. And we have a lot of fun. We start the episode uh, with a bit of an icebreaker using the Meaningful Money cards and a lot of you have purchased those. So if you want to purchase these icebreaker cards, they're a great game for your friends and your family to play uh, over dinner, over a coffee, over a wine, whatever. You can do that on the Sort Your Money Out website and there's a shop there. So thank you so much for all your support And thank you, Rachel, for being so transparent, so honest, and so raw. Uh, It really was a privilege to speak with you. And I just reflected, like doing this podcast, the amount of interesting people I get the privilege to talk to. So thank you so much, Rachel. And on behalf of my millennial money and all our listeners, as we are coming up to the first anniversary uh, of Tony's death, thank you so much. And we are thinking of you. So... Let's have a listen. Well, hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having a chat with me on My Millennial Money. Hi. Thank you so much for um, agreeing to talk about this subject. Yeah. Now, you are the first uh, Kiwi listener that I've had the pleasure to interview on the show that's living in uh, New Zealand, that is. So, welcome. Thank you very much. It's a big privilege. It's a great show. I listen to it at least once a week. Yeah. Oh, love it. Love it. Now, we're going to have a bit of an icebreaker to start with and I'm going to put you on the spot. We've got meaningful money cards, which everyone can buy from sortyourmoneyout.com and they're just conversation starters. So, I thought we can start the conversation this way. Now, you can see me in the camera. I'm shuffling. (laughs) And if if there's any questions that are too hard or whatever, just tell me to get stuffed. Um, That's fine. Here we go. If you could go back and invest in any company in history, what would it be? Apple. Apple. Oh, there you go. That was fast. All right. I'm going to do another. <laughs> Why Apple? Because you're greedy or you like the um, they like the product and their vibe? Everything. They have got us hook, line and sinker. I'm all in. Love it. Love it. Um, all right. The next one here. What bad money habits have you inherited from your parents? My parents never taught me anything about money, so um, I have fumbled my way through life, to be fair. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, that's that's fine. All right. And third one, do a bit of a shuffle here. And I trust the ice is getting broken, everyone. What do you wish you knew about money earlier in your life? I wish I knew about compound interest, about putting money into shares or something, something other than property very early yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now, let's just paint the picture. Uh, Rachel, you are in your 40s. Yes, yep. Not strictly a millennial, but I like to have all ages on this podcast because we can all learn from everybody. What are you doing for work? So I'm self-employed and I am a housekeeper. I Great. do what I love, which I just, I love looking after people and, and cleaning and cooking. And so I've made a job out of it. That's amazing. And how long have you done that? This will be my sixth year. Wow. Wow. And how much, like just randomly, uh -huh. um, how much do you go and try and find work or do you have your kind of set type of clients that you work around or, you, you know, what's it like uh, with your client base? So my client base is more high end, which means I can charge a little bit more because my service is quite premium. I just work alone. I have had a team of 10 housekeepers at one stage um, but I chose just before lockdown last year to return to working on my own I just get a great more satisfaction out of it uh, the returns financially are pretty much the same and yeah. um, and then I've got direct control over the quality of work yeah so and I don't have to go looking for work it comes to me but at the moment, I've got six amazing clients and that keeps me going. And yeah, I'm in complete control, but like I say, they are just amazing people and they've been really supportive of me. So yeah, and yeah. as far as yeah. I know, there's not many people doing what I do. So mm. it would be good to push it out further, but it takes a lot of work, obviously, to run a business. And are you, um, when you're going into a, a client's home, so house cleaning, are we doing linen, bedding, washing, like? Yeah, everything. Yeah, I have done grocery shopping for people. I've walked their dogs. One of my clients that I see several times a week, I work alongside their team of cleaners and their PA. Um, and I also, I, I basically take care of um, their laundry and just oversee the cleaners and things like that. That's quite a big property. It takes, I think it would probably take around about 20 hours a week for on an average to run an average home at least. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So you're, uh, you're more of a personal concierge. In a way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm. Now, if we rewind the start of 2020, uh, life was great, happily married and COVID entered our life and you went into lockdown like everyone else, you're thinking this is fine, we'll get through this and then things will get back to normal. Uh, but things didn't get back to normal for you, Rachel. Uh, tell us what happened in June of 2020. Yeah. So June of 2020, we were just, yeah, yeah. life was coming back to normal from lockdown. I was probably one of the few people that had really enjoyed lockdown 24-7 with my partner. <laughs> Um, we had a really clean house and, yeah. <laughs> and I'd been, um, you know, looking at the share market and trying to come to terms with all these different terms and things like that. Um, and yeah, just getting back into normal life and 16th of June, everything was going fine. And I came home and found my partner unresponsive on the floor. So my phone tells me at 10 past five in the evening, I called emergency services to tell them that Tony, my partner, was unresponsive on the floor of the office. Yeah. Gosh, gosh. And what happened, like your world changed that instant. Yeah. Um, I... It's often, like, I always think, like, in those situations, like, what do you do? Like, do you 
freak out? Obviously, you freak out. Like, do you run yeah. over, check for a pulse because we're yeah. told you to do that or do you just start yelling and shaking? Like, what, what yeah. do you do? All of the above. As a, as a side note, if you ever get the opportunity to do a first aid course, please do it. Um, I have done several and I've actually just done one just in the last couple of weeks, which was a little confronting, but it's just such an amazing life skill to have. So, yeah, um, Tony was on the office floor and I could see from the colour of his hand, he was face down, I could see from the colour of his hand that he had potentially been there for some time. Mm. And I um, touched him, he was still quite warm, but I just knew, yeah, you just go into autopilot and so mm. I had to call emergency services. And let me tell you, it's as much as I said I would back Apple, um, mm. try to call 111, our emergency mm. number, off a mobile phone is incredibly difficult. Um, mm. But anyway, I called emergency services and um, they talked me through CPR. So I had to get Tony on his back which was, yeah, it wasn't pleasant because he'd been there for a little while and I had to start CPR um, mm. and I was yelling down the phone at them and it was like what you hear people say, you could see yourself doing everything. Mm. Uh, it was, yeah, it, it's it's just like you just can't believe it. it's an out-of-body experience and, look, it was rush hour traffic. The emergency services arrived within seven minutes, so I just, I don't know how they did it, but gosh, and they took over um, and they uh, worked on Tony for, um, they arrived at 17 past five. So they worked on Tony for about 25 minutes. Um, they did everything that they possibly could. The fire service were there, um, but yeah, unfortunately there was just nothing they could do. He, he had gone. So, yeah, mm, it was, mm. yeah. And there wasn't a pulse that you could... Not that I could feel or, or anything yeah. like that, no. But, you know, um, and like I say, I could, I've never seen anybody in that situation before. So kudos to the emergency services. They gave him three rounds of adrenaline, three rounds of CPR, three rounds of AED, and they do CPR for two minutes, I think, at a time. And, yeah, they were doing all that they could. Mm. Um, but it just wasn't to be, obviously. So, Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't know how anyone goes through that, and I guess you're probably thinking before all that happened the same thing, and then it just yeah. it happens, and your life's never the same, right? No, absolutely not. No, um, I don't know anybody who's gone through this. Any of my friends who have gone through this, one of one of my dear friends, her husband survived an event like this. He was gone for 21 minutes, and he's still with us today because his son did CPR on him, and we're just so thankful. Um, so I am sort of the first to go through this and in a way, if there's something okay to take away from this, I can help somebody else or just support mm. somebody else. But everyone's journey is very different, but sometimes mm. it feels a bit isolating at the moment, but I don't want anyone to go through this either. But you know what, Ben, nobody gets out alive. That's the truth. No, and <laughs> and this is, um, yeah, we're not getting out of here alive. No. And the thing is, um, life's real and it's just, yeah, it's just everybody listening. Every, like me, I, you know, we just will go through these things For sure. and it's real. Um, it's just on the practicalities, like, and particularly Australia and New Zealand, we are pretty similar, you know. Um, at that point, did the ambulance take him to the hospital to be pronounced dead or did they call an undertaker? Like, what were the practicalities? Because a lot of people want to know what happens when someone dies. Yeah. So um, in New Zealand, you call emergency services and, you, you know, you get directed, what do you want, fire, ambulance, police. So I called for the ambulance. Um, and then uh, also the fire service turn up as well. So that CPR, because you can only do CPR for a very short amount of time. Um, and I guess then because of the nature of the event, because Tony was very fit and supposedly healthy, um, the police came as well because it was an unexplained death at that stage. So, and to be fair, I, I'm a really practical person. It wasn't surprising to me to see the police in my house. I was surprised to see the fire service. Um, mm. But um, 
actually probably just digressing going back a little bit when the when the ambulance people arrived and i was in the back um we lived in a small house and i was in the office with tony and they just walked in a man and a woman and they just walked in and they were really calm and they would and i was just in my head i remember thinking why are you not rushing why are you not doing something and they were just really really calm so which was you know amazing but um so they did pronounce tony dead while he was at the house and then um the fire service left the ambulance service stayed for a little bit they fed my dog because i asked them to because you know you just go into survival practical mode what do i need to do so yeah. um they stayed and i had my brother-in-law my sister turn up and then another friend of mine turned up um and then the police stay um the ambulance service left and then the police stayed i think there was a sergeant plus two constables there was tony still at the house at the time he was he they brought him out yeah. into the lounge room because the office was really tight space so they brought him out into yeah. the lounge room just to continue working on him but they had pronounced yeah. him dead at uh, in the lounge room and then yeah the police stayed and they had to take a statement off me um feel sorry for that young constable because i can't he got tony's name wrong a couple of times and that's it's just was too much for me so i kind yeah. of had, but anyway so then the police stay and then the funeral the encore funeral director arrived it took him a couple of hours to get there so he turned up and then the police and the funeral director needed to check tony's body but i wasn't nobody else was allowed to be in the room which i found a little bit upsetting but mm. i understand they've got to do these things and that only took maybe five or ten minutes what what did they tell you the rationale behind that they i don't remember if they did or not but sure. you know i think they're probably looking for bruising any kind yeah. of evidence that maybe something had happened mate whether he his, whether somebody had done something to him or whether he had done lacerations or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so I, yeah, so that's fine. I get that. And then mm. um, the funeral director, they then they then put him, you know, in a body bag, up on a gurney, and I had a few minutes to um, to say goodbye. Mm. Mm. Sorry. No, no, take take your time. We've got all day. <laughs> Sorry, I thought they had it together. No, you you bloody do. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, so then they, they took Tony away because um, they they asked me if they wanted to do a um, an autopsy and I said, of course, because I just couldn't have anything unanswered. Totally. Oh, actually, yeah, we had, I had quite a bit of time sitting there with them, to be fair, so that was really good. And like I say, it was just a couple of family members and a friend there. Yeah, so then they take him oh. away and then... Then you just you just go into well for me you just go into right what do I need to do what do I need to do um you know so I think at two in the morning I started googling a funeral director um because I'm a really organized practical person so mm. um yeah but while ambulance and everything was in the house and everything you know all I could think of was who do I need to call? So I, I, you know, I desperately wanted to call Tony's family before he was pronounced dead, you know, and that was a really hard thing to do. But yeah, you just, there's just so much going on. Mm. So then, yeah, so once he's gone to the mortuary and things like that, that's, yeah, you just have to start planning things. It's, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's incredible. What, yeah, it's just, um, I've got this wet stuff coming out of my eyes. Yeah, my, my eyes leak a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, no, no, that's fine. And and this is why it's so important that people hear these stories because we're, we're going to talk about some other practicalities. Yeah. Um, did you, um, by the sounds of it, you're no longer living in that house? Um, no. Um, that and that was all to do with Tony's estate. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Okay. We'll get to that. And mm -hmm. from a practical point of view, did you uh, sleep in the house um, 
the next few weeks alone or did you have to go and stay away from the house? Because that's very traumatic to be mm. in the same spot that Tony passed away. Yeah, I, I did stay in the house and I had um, I had a friend stay with me for a month. So she basically just gave up her life on when we lived on opposite sides of Auckland. So she came and stayed with me for about a month, which um, which was great. I, I knew I didn't want to be alone. Mm. Um, and, yeah, slowly after that, I had another friend stay for a couple of weeks. And then I, for some other reasons, I just had to be on my own. And it, sometimes you just got to push yourself into those situations. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, I get for some people it wouldn't work for them. They would want to be out of the house. But... We've also got an elderly dog and she was with Tony the whole time that he was on the floor, mm. so she was quite traumatised by that. So, totally. um, yeah, it's – so for me, I chose to stay in the house, um, mm. yeah, all along, yeah. And did you find the COVID – was there COVID restrictions with the funeral? Was that an extra squeeze for you guys? We were really lucky. Um, we were in level – I want to say level one – maybe even level two, but maybe it was level one because we we had hundreds of people at the funeral. So... Um, well, that's one silver lining. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'm so thankful for, um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, that's that's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and I guess I'll just finish before we can move on from this um, deeply personal and traumatic side of it. Did you find in your own constitution that the grieving really started once you were alone after your friend left the home, then it got real or mm, had um, it already started for you? That's really, uh, it's a really tricky one to, to answer. There might not um, be an answer either. No, there's probably not because um, just in the last, I've been in survival mode for the last, I'm going to say 10 months. So it's mm. 11 months, coming up 11 months, mm. um, and it wasn't until about the 10-month mark um, we had an event on at Ironman New Zealand late March, and things fell apart for me that weekend unexpectedly. Yeah. But yeah. And I sort of turned a bit of a corner at that point, whereas I feel I'm starting to heal a little bit. Mm. But, yeah, it's it's really hard as a as quite a driven person and – an athlete um, to not have a finish line, and I, I, yeah. I struggled with that. And I'm kind of coming to terms with that. That this is these up and downs. Um, this this is my life now. Yeah, and you kind of remind me of me a little bit. Where you know, if there's drama, if there's stress or whatever, I've just got to do something. And and I think sometimes we don't sit in our own grief and emotion. No, and. I've found if there's ever been any sad stuff happening, you know, I'll just do, 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 do. Three weeks later, oh, then it catches up. Then I'm yeah. a big heap. Yeah. And it's just – and would you say, like, I've talked with a lot of people who have lost loved ones, like friends, family, clients, all that stuff. My advice to people that are going through grief and the loss of a life is there's actually no right way to mourn. There's your way. And that's okay. For sure. Yeah. I had so many people say to me for the first few months, just be kind to yourself. And I didn't I didn't actually know what that meant. And I, was, I didn't know what I didn't know to say to somebody, I don't know what that means, because I genuinely didn't know what that meant. Um, and I was actually listening to another podcast, a grief podcast, just a few weeks ago. A man has What's brought, the name of that podcast? Um, it's called Griefcast. Cool. It's a English one, and they were talking to a guy on there whose wife had passed away in the UK in lockdown. She was in her 30s. She was a palliative care nurse. She just, like Tony, just literally dropped dead. And her husband said he had four, they had four wedding invites to go to, and he realised he couldn't go to them. And it wasn't until I was listening to that podcast that I was like, wow, I'm actually still trying to continue to do everything without Tony and it mm. was probably around that point which was about four to six weeks ago that I was like just stop but mm. also 
at the Ironman New Zealand event where I was just competing as a team. So I was just doing the run. Um, I, and I had a panic attack on the finish line, which I didn't see coming. I've never had a panic attack in my life, but it, I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just thought I just have, my body was just like, just stop, Rachel, just stop. So I haven't mm-hmm. really been doing any training, um, no swim, bike or run since mm-hmm. that point. And that's why I think I can, I'm starting to heal a little bit. I'm just lowering the cortisol, lowering mm-hmm. the adrenaline, getting comfortable with feeling, letting the hurt come in. Cause it's, yeah, like you say, it's just, yeah, it's, it's very easy to ignore it, but it keeps yeah. mounting. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you may have picked up that, you know, Rachel is uh, a professional athlete and Tony is also. <laughs> You're talking to the wrong one here. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Let, let's just back up for a sec, Rachel. Uh, between Olympian and Glenn James, you're right. a professional. Um, okay. I'll where, take it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so just say, uh, so yourself and Tony heavily involved in the Ironman community. Um, well, let me just back that up. Tony was a professional triathlete back in the early 90s. Um, yeah. He was one of New Zealand's most respected triathlete, sorry, triathlon coaches. I had no idea who he was when we met. I was running. I had done some some running. Yeah. And then four, five years into our relationship, um, I said to him, so can you get me ready for Ironman in 11 months? <laughs> And he was not happy. I mean, he he didn't he didn't show it at the time, but he did tell me later on he was just deeply unhappy with my request. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, his loss has been felt by hundreds of people because he was just uh, just so re- well respected in the triathlon community here. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. it's affected many yeah. lives. Mm. How important was, uh, so we've all got our friends network and our family networks. Mm-hmm. How important was that community to you? That Because a lot of the time our communities, be it, you know, the Ironman group or you might be in a book club or a church or whatever that is that aren't mm-hmm. quote unquote family, mm-hmm. often they can be closer than family. How important was it for you to be in that community? Yeah, it was hugely important. Um, I've never been the sort of person who's had lots of friends. I have always had just a very small network of friends, um, but but really amazing people. Um, And so to have this community rally around me was phenomenal, you know, absolutely phenomenal um, and has gone a long way towards helping me, um, you know, just, I think just emotionally knowing you've got people there, whether you count, whether you call on them or not, you've got them there sort of thing. So yeah, it's been amazing yeah I mean if Tony was let's say an office worker and I don't mean to downplay that but you know um if he was you know just working in an office somewhere and I didn't have anything to do with his workplace I wouldn't have got this level of support at all yeah 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 did you find it hard to accept charity from people given your personality very much so I felt um I, I mean I found it hard to accept help from Tony when if he yeah. would, you know, <laughs> I was, I'm very independent. But, um, yeah. yeah, so for other people to offer assistance in any way, shape or form, um, it was, yeah, it was really hard, mm. but mm. but really lovely for sure. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, we might take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about some practicalities of estate planning. Sounds good. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Okay, we are back. Rachel, thanks so much just for sharing that you know, emotional side of the journey because it's just so important that we learn from other people Um, because people might be listening to this and they don't really care about anything else, but they've just got so much because they're going through the same thing. So 
Uh, I just want to thank you on behalf of My Millennial Money, our community, which you're a part of, uh, for being so candid and vulnerable with us. Um, so headphones off to you, as they say in this business. Um, thank you. Do they? No, they probably don't. Uh, so <laughs> were you married or in a long-term de facto relationship? We were in a long-term de facto relationship. Yeah. So basically in Australia, that's as good as married um, in terms of the law, Uh It'd probably be very similar in the in the Auckland vibe in New Zealand. That's the place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely. That's yeah. that's what they say. I just sometimes I felt dealing with the lawyers and things like that that there was a point of difference because we weren't married, but mm. they always they said there wasn't. But yeah. So okay, so practically, uh, you both do not have children. That's right. Yeah. What were the assets like high level before Tony's passing? Uh, so we owned the house. To, well, we had a, yeah, we've got a house together. Yeah. And we both have our own businesses. Yeah. Yep. Cool. And the house was in his name solely? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was in his name. We never got my name put on the mortgage because Tony just thought it was too much faffing around. But yep. thankfully you could see where I'd put a big cash amount in a couple of years earlier yep. plus you could see that we were both we had a joint uh spending account together like for utilities. yeah you were financially codependent on each other yeah yep. for sure and tony did not have a will that's right so he died intestate yes yep. now did he um, okay so let's just go to it so um did you end up getting screwed because of that to be blunt or was it just a long process um, yes, I kind of got screwed, um, yeah. and in a lot of, in, in a roundabout kind of way. Um, and to be fair, the whole estate was, uh, tidied up at about the six month mark. And that was because I am like a dog with a bone when something's got to be done. So I have got a few takeaways for that, um, people are interested, but yeah, um, when somebody says they're going to do something for me, they better do it because yeah. um, I just like to get stuff done. And mm. when you go to specialists, specialist estate lawyers or the particular departments at the bank and they say they're all specialists and this is what they deal in, when they faff around, I'm the wrong person to be dealing with. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was tricky. Yeah. So, so the house, like did you get – any of the proceeds? Yes, I did. I did. So how it works out, and I think I'm not sure what it's like in Australia, but in New Zealand, yep. if you die in testate, it then defaults back to the law, and the law is the surviving spouse, because there's no children, so the surviving yep. spouse gets two-thirds of the estate plus 115000 I think. It's a really funny right. figure. And then yep. the balance, the other one third is divided between next of kin, which in this yep. case um, was Tony's parents. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's how that worked out. And um, depending on your relationship with or Tony's relationship or the deceased relationship with those parents is where whether you want to consider being ripped off or not. Um, yeah. Tony ha didn't have a relationship with his father for at least 25, 30 years. But right. his mother is the sweetest, sweetest woman to ever be here. Mm -hmm. So we're really lucky about that. Yeah. So Are they separated, the parents, or are they yes, together? Yeah, they are. They haven't been together for a wee while. Yeah, but Tony was very close with his mum and his sister, and they've been a huge support to me, so... Yeah. Did dad come out of the woodwork once this happened? Yes, very much so. Yeah. yeah. They tend to do that when there's a bit mm, of yeah. money on the table. Tis, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah. and, you know, I know for a fact Tony would be horrified at um, the way it's played out. But, mm. you know, this is where I want people to understand the value of having your estate, your end-of-life plan, your will, everything sorted as much as you can, as much as you mm. can. It's not to say somebody can't come in and contest it, but if mm. you've got everything 
um, as formatted as you can before you die, it sets things up better sort of thing. Yeah. And I, I just want everyone to know, like in Australia, uh, if you don't have a will and die intestate, uh, it's it's state-based. It's not a, a national thing. Uh, so you just need to look at what your state-based um, defaults are. And I, I basically, you know, I was just recently in New Zealand writing uh, parts of my book and one of the parts is on um, estate planning and I might even ask you if you want to write a little testimony for the book, uh, just, you know, a couple of words about what yeah. can go wrong. Uh, but I think, you know, we don't know what we don't know, but mm. I kind of said in the book, once you do know that you need to do something and then you don't go and do it, it means you, and I'm being very blunt here, you don't actually care enough about your loved ones to make it clean and clear. I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Look, um, Tony and I had frequent conversations that I would um, start about dying and about what to do. So we'd had, and in fact, so Tony died on a Tuesday. On the Saturday prior, we had had a conversation on the Saturday night about exactly that, about getting his will sorted. Mm -hmm. And Tony was convinced that he was going to outlive me for 20 years. And I said to him, what makes you so sure? We were sort of joking around, but not. Mm. Um, and I said to him, well, for 20 years, you're going to have my ashes sitting on the coffee table. And he's like, I'm not having you on the coffee table. And I said, oh, I said, my ashes are going to be there. So if you're listening, Tony, you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, he was convinced because mm. He's an athlete and he's bulletproof. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember saying to him on that Saturday night, why should I have to deal with life admin and deal with the loss of you, you know, at the same time? I said, I don't think that's fair. Mm. I said, it's not hard to do a will at the very least. And anyway, that was on the to-do list. And yeah. you know, there's only some, there's some things that you just got to do yourself. I couldn't do anything, everything. So yeah. I left it up to him. Yeah, but that was yeah. just three days prior. Yeah, and I know I was a bit dramatic before. I mean, I'm sure um, no. people still love people, but I just want to rattle people's cages enough Absolutely. to make them pay attention. That's why I be dramatic sometimes. No, um, look, I, I fully, to be fair, I have moments where I think that too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Did Tony have any uh, life insurance? No, he'd looked at life insurance and... No, he didn't. Um, and mm. we, like during lockdown and things like that, we'd had conversations about, you know, loss of income. How will we manage that? Once a year, I would call our financial, what I termed our financial AGM. Um, mm. So we would sit down and just, you know, see where we were at financially, where we were at with the mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. Even though we kept our finances quite separate, but, you know, especially with lockdown and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was pertinent that we talked about how we would manage, mm. you know, with a loss of income because I couldn't work during lockdown mm. and things like that. So, um, Was so he yeah. a professionally paid uh, coach? Yes, he, yep, he had his own yeah. coaching business, yep. So he coached yeah. um, individual athletes and he uh, worked with one of the uh, – with a couple of schools as well. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Mm, mm. So there you go. Any other um, housekeeping things that became a mess um, because of not having well, What about um, funeral wishes, ashes, burial, all that stuff? So one of the only things that Tony, that I knew Tony wanted when he died was that he wanted to be buried in a titanium coffin. Right. Specific. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I was just like. On your, on your Tony? <laughs> I don't know where the titanium came from, but anyway. Um, so obviously I couldn't do the titanium coffin thing, um, but we had a beautiful casket made in his branding for his coaching business, O'Hagan Sport. Oh. It was just stunning. Um, we've got a – there's a casket place close by to where we lived at the time called Dine Art, and they yeah, do bespoke caskets and things like that. They were amazing. Um, so, and he wanted to be buried 
But one thing we never talked about was where would he want to be buried? Because I was, I'm, mm. I'm going to be cremated. Um, so there's not many cemeteries open these days, to be fair. So he is buried up at the North Shore Memorial Park, which is where was 10 minutes away from where we used to live. So now I live on the other side of Auckland because I had to sell the house. So now I'm over an hour away from where he is. And sometimes that's mm. really hard because sometimes I just mm. want to go the dog and I just want to go and wander around, but it's a three-hour mm. round trip now, sort of thing, yeah. depending on yeah. traffic. So that's quite yeah. tricky. So that's one thing. If you say you want to be buried, sort of future-proof it in a way as to where you think you might end up living, but mm. you can't always. But yeah, so yeah. Was there any other um, stuff because there wasn't a will where his siblings or parents wanted input in? funeral order of service or stuff like that? Um, no, uh, I was basically liaising with his mother and his uh, one of his sisters the whole time and they're just, just really, really nice, lovely, mm. easygoing people. Um, they just let me handle everything basically. I mean, yeah, if I asked, good. yeah, I, I tried to keep them hopefully um, in the loop, but Mm. They were just really happy for me to take care of things and stuff like that. So they've just been amazing. Mm. Um, and we're just in the process now of um, ordering the headstone and things like that. But, um, yeah, I just can't stress enough to people about having things, having the will done, having a relationship property agreement or a contracting out agreement, whatever mm. it's called or whatever country or state you're yeah. in. Yeah, and as a, um, a practical thing, Rachel, like if – you know, in Australia, um, there can be things put into the will like a lifetime tenancy agreement, which basically means in a similar situation, um, you know, if Tony had owned the house in his will, he may have put that Rachel can live in the house as long as she wants and then it can be split up to his estate or whatever. Like you can choose your own adventure, but it's just important to have those conversations. It absolutely is. Absolutely them. is, for sure. Yeah. And... Um, and how's the dog? She's she's pretty good. Yep. Yeah. What, <laughs> um, I, what is she? She is a Labrador Ridgeback cross. Um, she's wow. She's fourteen she big, now. Is she? Sorry. She big. Yeah, she is. Like, yeah, yeah, she's a large breed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's it's her and I now. So um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. It, I, I'm glad I've got her still, but unfortunately, yeah. she's fourteen. So. The time mm. will come. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah, yeah. So there you go, kids. You gotta just sort your um, sort your stuff out. You really do. Yeah. Um, mm. I've learned so much, um, and it's you've just got to you have to plan to die. Unfortunately, mm. that is you never know when it's coming, but mm. it's the one guarantee. So spend a day sorting out you know, your will or, um, look, I've got a spreadsheet that I have now, which has got all my utility providers, my account numbers. Uh, it's got who my KiwiSaver is, uh, who my accountant is, things like that, so that my sister and one of my friends can pick that up if they need to, and mm. that's my life on a spreadsheet. Yeah, actually, I might... Um... I might actually do like a live Google spreadsheet and share it with my mate who's the executor of my will. It's just mm -hmm. so he's always got access to it. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, even just um, trying to take care of the utilities, um, because mm. I wasn't named as the contact or anything on some of the utilities, that made it really difficult just dealing with things like that. And then, of course, Tony was paying Gosh. for some things on his credit card. The credit card was closed, so I was getting reminder notices, which just absolutely horrifies me. It's not how I roll. Um, no. You know, and actually an interesting thing was the bank never called. They kept taking the mortgage, and it wasn't until I had to bring them, um, but they never called to say, and they were the, one of the first people to know because the lawyer contacts them because he's lending. Yeah. But nobody called. They just keep taking the money. Mm. So, I mm. don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, far out. And that's it. Like, death, 
it's never easy. It's just harder Mm. if there isn't a will. It absolutely is, yeah. I mean, we're lucky. We we only had a mortgage. We didn't have any personal debt, consumer debt or anything Mm. like that. So, Mm. you know, that's that's good. Um, But if you are ignorant, like, to be fair, bless Tony's little cotton socks, completely Mm. ignorant that he was going to outlive me, you just don't know. You just don't know. And, you know, I was left wondering how am I going to pay the mortgage because we were trying to pay our mortgage off quite aggressively because of our age. Mm. Um, Mm. So the mortgage payments were set and I had no control over, um, no control over, I I turned out to be basically a tenant in his house until the house was sold. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's not a nice thing to have to live with. So just the wash up of all of that, um, what's your financial situation like now? You've got a place of your own that you own? Yes. Yep. Yep. Is there a mortgage on the property? No, there's not. I am, and I, I'm, I'm obviously very fortunate. I had to shop very wisely um, because of, you know, at my age, I'm trying to save quite aggressively for retirement. Mm. Um, and of course, the housing market in New Zealand, like it probably, I'm sure it is in Australia, it's aggressive. Oh, it's- yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I love I love where I'm living. I'm close to my sister. It's a brand new property. It's it's really small, but it it works for the dog and I. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was you know this time last year, I I wasn't moving house. I was no. trying to keep Tony tidy because he was a very messy boy. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and then basically I've had to just get rid of pretty much everything, and mm. um, move across town. Yeah. yeah. So, and, So what know, does, oh, no, sorry, you go. Oh, I was going to say, the only other thing is, you know, um, there's no life insurance and things like that, but it's affected my income because I've had time off work and things like that. So, yeah, it has affected things. You do have to be careful, but, yeah, that mm. is what it is. So, we'll put a link in the show notes if you don't have your will sorted, um, our kind of preferred lawyers, uh, Aubrey Brown lawyers, they're my personal estate planning lawyers. Um, so you can reach out to them, have a chat. We'll put a link in the show note. Um, but Rachel, what does, you know, and you might not know the answer to this situation, but what do you want to do when you grow up? Like what's the next five years look like? Mm, well, there's definitely another Iron Man in me, so I definitely want to do an Iron, another Iron Man. <laughs> um, gosh, I don't. I want to stop crying every day. <laughs> mm. um, yes, yeah, I don't. I don't know what life looks like. Yeah, and that's totally fine. And I am, yeah, very sensitive to the fact that, you know, you're coming up to the, the first anniversary. Yeah. So it's, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. No, no. And I think um, I am just, we've just passed his birthday, um, which was Mother's Day. So a very hard mm. weekend for his mum. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I guess I've learned I can't, uh, I, and I am a planner, but I can't plan anything at the moment. Yeah. Mm. It's, Difficult, but yeah. I, you're you're at a new base camp, and you can stay at base camp until you acclimatise as long as it takes. It's a good way of look, putting it. Actually, that is really good. I've just started watching that Netflix documentary Sherpa or something, and they're talking about base camp. So yeah, that is. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I might. I'm going to write that down. I think I've seen. I'm going to. I'm going to write. It. Um, but yeah, I, and this is the whole thing. Like. We see all this crap online about you need to be doing this and you need to be doing that. And no, everyone, you need to do everything that you do. Yeah. There's no one similar. No. I think probably one thing that I am striving towards is actually to do nothing um, because I am quite a busy person and, you know, swim, bike, run, life will do that to you. Um, Yeah. But I guess for me, being kind to me, as I have mm. learned just in the last four to six weeks, is actually doing nothing and being okay with mm. it. So, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's a crazy ride. <laughs> totally, totally, yeah, it's crazy. Well, thank you so much for sharing a part of your story and encouraging um, a lot of people. Um, I won't tell you how many people are listening because it might um, <laughs> freak you out, but. <laughs> 
Thank you so much um, for sharing your story. I'll get you to flick me an email with um, your address and we might send you over a little a thank you on behalf of everyone at My Millennial Money. And yeah, we just so thank you for sharing your story and being part of what we're doing. Oh, thank you. Um, I just really appreciate that um, you thought I had something to, to say. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, yeah, like I say, nobody gets out alive. So please, mm. please just plan. Um, spend mm. some spend some hours, spend a day. Um, I've, yeah. And look, I'll send you an email. I've got some points about what I've learned about dealing with process, what I learned about what we could have done beforehand, what happened during, that might help somebody out if you can make yeah, use of it. I, I yeah, I think that might be good because I might get Jess to put a blog together with your points and we can put the episode in there, like, you know, what happens when you die or, or what do you need to look at? Or uh, It's just because it's so practical and it will happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yep, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally. Indeed. All right, Rachel. Thank you so much. We will. Uh, we'll see you when we. Well, let's try and do an Auckland show next year. Oh yes, please. We're, we'll. Hey, we'll just come over. I mean, freaking Perth's further than Auckland. We should have just tacked it onto this tour, but it's all good. Um, and we'll. Uh, we'll see you when we're looking at you. So thank you so awesome. much. Thank you. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.